The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP, helping you run simple. Host and moderator Bonnie D. Graham talks with the experts about how game-changing technologies can help you achieve financial excellence for your company. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you want to run with the Game Changers, I absolutely promise you're in the right place. Today's buzz, oh, all kinds of buzzwords. Salut, salute, l'chaim, avotra santé. What am I talking about? Talking about saluting the financial health of your business. Let me get started. The integration between finance and operations has evolved. Yes, it has. Used to be time-lagging batch processes, and now, poof, we're in the land of real-time information. It's fast, it's furious, and it's out there. With operational information ultimately impacting your revenue and your cost planning, changes across your entire value chain must be reflected in finance. There's no two ways about it. What are the savvy CFOs seeing? Well, they're busy. We know that for sure. They're seeing their functional scope widening. No longer just the keeper of the spreadsheet and core accounting. They are now catalysts and they have strategic roles in the business. We talk about this all the time on their series, this series, but we're going to take a little bit of a different approach today. So, Wouldn't you like to know that digitally mature organizations are enjoying up to a 26% increase in profitability? I think I'd like to know that if I didn't see that kind of profit. As Bob Dylan says, it's all good. I won't attempt to sing it in his version. So we have a panel of experts today. I've got three on the line. We may even have more joining us. Let's see what they have to say. First up is Alex Bennell, B-A-N-N-E-L-L. In case you want to look up and find out more about him, he is linked on the show page at voiceamerica.com. Look for the Coffee Cup logo and Financial Excellence with Game Changers. Alex is leading on the Simple Finance for Capgemini UK. We'll find out more later. Alex sent me an interesting quote. It's exactly two words with a question mark. Probably the shortest quote on record here on all of our Game Changers series. And the quote is, so what? Alex Bennell, welcome. How are you today? I'm very good. Thank you, Bonnie. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you very much for joining me. So what? So what? So what? So what are we talking about? We're talking about financial health. We're talking about the maturing role of the CFO. We're talking about the digital maturing of organizations. What is so what about what? Alex, you're going to have to help me with this. So talk to me. Okay. So I'm glad it's the shortest quote that you've ever had on there. Let's let's hope it's it's more interesting than it is short. Um, So the reason that I've been asking myself so what, um, the so what question, over recent months is, is, is not in a negative way or not in an obstructive um, way at all, but in a, in a way as a, as a healthy challenge. And the reason that we've been asking so what, or that I've been specifically asking it of myself, is in relation to finance transformation and, I guess, new wave finance technology. So, you know, we've been challenging ourselves to identify the, the true business benefit and transformational opportunities that, you know, that are available or there for the finance function that potentially are enabled by new wave solutions and in-memory technology. And really, the, the, the so what question 
is to get beyond the surface messages. So, you know, increased speed, faster close. Okay, they might be interesting. Buzzwords like agility or flexibility. They sound great, but what's under the cover? So to us or to me, they don't feel like just good enough answers. And if we can't answer the so what question, then I don't think I can have the right conversation with my customers. You know, what we're trying to shape is, is credible use cases, a business-focused justification to adopt new technology. You know, and if, if I can't come up with those true game changes, those true transformational opportunities that will genuinely move the business forward, then I can't have the right conversation with the CFO. So that's why I've gone for so what? A bit unconventional, but a healthy challenge. Well, I like the word healthy in there as far as challenge goes, and that's what we want to do is challenge our audience and challenge our listeners. Alex, do CFOs get this? Is this breaking news for them? Do they get this, that they need to understand where their organization needs to go? Is anybody hiding under a rock and saying, no, not me? What do you observe? I think it differs. I think some CFOs do get it. I think some are willing to to be bold and, and to be innovative and, and, and go along for the ride. I'm working with uh, one FTSE 100 company in the UK, and I had a chat with the CFO the other day, and and she got it. You know, she she understood, she understood our pitch, she understood what we were trying to achieve, and some of the things that really landed with her were a single string of data at the lowest level, you know, the lowest level of granularity, the real time mm-hmm. reporting capability, the simplification the potential reduction in the cost of the finance function around integrated planning, around reduced reconciliation. She got all of that. And, uh, you know, she was willing and 100% behind us to support us in our pitch. So I think, I think some CFOs do get it. I think others are probably struggling with the message. And I think maybe that's, you know, potentially our fault within the industry and we can do better. And I think some are probably inherently conservative and perhaps a bit more pedestrian in our outlook. So I think the picture's mixed, and I think you know it could go on to be mixed for a little time to come. So that's a challenge that we're going to have to face, I think. And that's part of the challenge of why we're here on the radio talking to a global audience, Alex, and exactly. co-panelists. Yeah, we need to wake them up a little bit and say, hey, there are better things ahead if you just wake up and, and get on the radar and see what's happening. Thank you so much, Alex. Pleasure to meet you. And let me bring on our second panelist. He's Eric Bramley. He's a senior manager with Deloitte Consulting. And Eric has sent me a very interesting quote from George Patton Jr., George S. Patton, and he was a general most famous for his leadership of the 3rd U.S. Army in France and Germany following the Allied invasion of Normandy, as well as for a lot of other things. Uh, Let's see, he lived from 1885 to 1945. There you go. And here is the quote from General George S. Patton Jr. Never tell people how to do things. Tell them what to do, and they will surprise you with their ingenuity. Very interesting. Eric Bramley, welcome. How are you today? I'm fine, thanks, Bonnie. How about you? I'm wonderful. Thanks for asking. Talk to me. Interesting quote from Patton. And uh, how does this relate to our topic, looking at financial health? Well, I mean, generally I've found this to be true time and time again. Um, One of the things that I really like about this quote uh, isn't just the truth that I find in it, but I think it's the optimism that it displays and the optimism towards the future. One twist on a quote and sort of a more negative way to come across is to say, you know, a a different quote of you're only as strong as your weakest link. 
Mm-hmm. But I think what this quote does is it turns that around and counters that you can be as strong as the strengths of all your people. Um, so generally, I think that you know we're on the verge of a, a huge leap forward in enterprise technology. You know, I think a lot of the buzzwords that uh, that Alex mentioned before, and on the need to get behind those buzzwords, like in, in-memory computing, cloud connectivity of smart devices, the Internet of Things, um, all of these are, are making tremendous impacts on, on ERP. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, now I think it's especially important with technology innovation um, to not micromanage um, and to not tell people how to do things, but to let them enable ingenuity, enable innovation and uh, carry us forward for the next uh, five to ten years on this um, on this new journey. Interesting take, uh, Eric. I, I'm always surprised when I hear things like creativity, ingenuity, uh, independence, uh, intuitiveness related to the finance topic because I always thought it was like uh, when I was growing up, it was paint by the numbers. You know, you, you'd buy this piece of paper and it would have the dots and the numbers, put color number one here, and then you'd end up with a beautiful picture. So ingenuity is a prized trait today. Is that what you're actually saying? I believe so because I, you know, I believe you know traditionally you're right. The the finance function was a little bit more uh, cut and dry, mm-hmm. but now what we're seeing with the the capabilities of technology is that we can bring far more data together in a more powerful way than we ever have before. And at the core of that, you know, the the end result to companies is how they're doing financially. So that that data that can come from either inside of a company or outside of a company can be pulled together in ways that drive our business processes and um, inform uh, insights uh, into business transactions to drive better profitability and reduce cost. Thank you very much. Great insights. Appreciate it. And welcome again, Eric Bramley from Deloitte. And shout out to all of our good friends at Deloitte for uh, getting Eric here on the panel with us. We appreciate it. And let's welcome a newcomer to SAP Radio. It's Rich Cerniak, who is a partner in the global SAP practice at PwC. And Rich has sent me a very interesting quote. We're getting a lot of interesting quotes today from John Maeda. I'll spell that M-A-D-A, M-A-E-D-A. And let me just tell you, it's John Takeshi, T-A-K-E-S-H-I, Meta. He's a Japanese-American graphic designer, computer scientist, academic, and author. And he is working in design, technology, and leadership, exploring the area where these fields merge. Sounds to me like a Venn diagram. My regular listeners know I love Venn diagrams way back from math 100 years ago. Here's the quote. Simplicity is about subtracting the obvious and adding the meaningful. I love the quote. Rich Cerniak, welcome. How are you today, Rich? I'm doing well, Bonnie. How about you? Great. You, your line is amazingly clear. I'm, I'm very happy. Nice to hear you and uh, love the quote. How did you find John Maida? I've never even heard of him. And tell me how the quote relates to our topic. Go ahead, Rich. Uh, you know, I actually, somebody had, I'm not sure where I found it, but uh, somebody had, ma- had made this statement or used it before, and I thought it to be very relevant to almost everything we do on a daily basis, and particularly given this topic, is I think when you look at you know, sometimes uh, the art is is making something uh, explainable and understandable that that can be complex. And when you think about the the, the finance function and our topic today, around you know what what 
what are they asked for by their business partners um, uh, within the organization, operations, supply chain? It's often to, to, to not just give them data and information, but give them insights. So, you know, the, there's so much time spent by the finance function today generating these insights and generating uh, something that the business can do something with. And if there's a way to take out the obvious and provide that insight to the business so that they can do something with that information from these ERP systems we have today, that's really what, what they're looking for is to provide that, in, that insights that are actionable. Very interesting. Rich, as I'm reading the quote over and over again to myself, I'm thinking, well, John, uh, let's see now, John Maida is a graphic designer first, I guess, and then, then he lists computer scientists, and that's a very interesting merging in itself of professions or avocations, if you will. Uh, the idea of a, of a designer, if you think of a painting and taking away something that's obvious that we all know is there and then putting something meaningful, it, it sounds very artsy to me. But I'm going to ask you a, a, a maybe a tough question, then we're going to introduce our fourth panelist. Do you think what we're talking about today the finance function, getting all of this new technology, bringing in some ingenuity, which we've mentioned with uh, some of the other panelists, and bringing in this new approach and getting what they have to do, being a catalyst, being a strategist, being a partner to the business, not just a provider of reports. Do you think that this this is an art or a science? I've never asked that question on this series before, but do you think what we're talking about is part art, part science, or is it a combination, or one or the I other? I think it's a both, and I think we're in that transition from... Mm-hmm. Uh, um, a, a science slash math calculation that we, we were all maybe trained as originally as yes. accountants to a little bit more of the art, right? Where, you, you, we, you know, you think about the data sources today that there weren't before, right? Now you have digital. You've got all these different channels of information that aren't, I'll say, standard debits and credits. And, and I think the ability of an accountant today to, to gather that information and and create insights from that information from the different different data sources will really be the finance function of the future. Thank you very much. Welcome again, Rich Cerniak. Glad to have you on board. And our fourth panelist, we have a full house today, I warned you. It's Marty Mrugel, who is responsible for SAP's Innovation Agenda for North American SAP and the executive sponsor for S4 HANA Platform. And Marty has sent me an interesting quote. I think it's a Marty Mrugel original. We're going to find out. He says, zero latency is the future currency for competitive advantage. And there's no attribution. So I'm just going to tack that on to Marty Mrugel. Marty, it's been such a long time. We haven't been on the radio together since a factory of the future manufacturing topic on another SAP Game Changer series in 2012. So, Marty, how are you today? And welcome. Hi, Bonnie. It's great to be here, and it's great to be back on Game Changers as well. Thank you. Zero latency, the future currency for competitive advantage. Who is currency? Where is the latency? Who is competing? you got to fill me in, Marty. Go ahead. Yeah. So a little bit of the, uh, of the story here, Bonnie. So uh, I was working with some of our architects when we were crafting kind of the, the value uh, story for our external-facing audience around moving from, say, a disk-based uh, database technology to a, an in-memory technology, one of the panelists already referenced. And I said, I said almost something similar to our, our first panelist, um, Alex. I said, so what? Uh, said, Who cares if you move from an old technology to new technology? What, what matters is what does it mean to the business and what does it Right? What does it mean to the organization and the customer's customer? And so, um, you know, when we were talking about the, you know, the, the comparing and contrasting this based technology and in-memory technology, 
um, you know, one of the things that came really flying to the surface is, wow, this new technology means that you can start to transact business in real time, right? And, and that is, to steal your, your show title, a game changer, right? Mm-hmm. They, they now having the ability to understand things that are happening in the business as they're happening is going to be a competitive advantage. Let's, let's, let's take an example, Bonnie. So let's take mm-hmm. retail. If there's a customer that's walking into one of your retail outlets and you know who that customer is, you know what their buying propensity is, you know what their buying history is. Now, if you have this information and your store associates are armed with this information, think about the possibilities to cross-sell and upsell that customer, mm-hmm. as well as show a general appreciation for that customer and the fact that you've recognized them, they're in the store, they've been in the store before, etc. Goodwill that that fosters, um, you know, I mean, just the brand loyalty that it could, that it could foster. So that's an example of having the information in real time when your resources need it to be effective and drive revenue in the, in the business. Terrific. Marty, any other comments? And, and thank you. Any other comments on, oh, I, I, the question I just asked Rich Cerniak, art or science or a combination thereof in terms of where the finance organization needs to be, how they need to think today. What do you see? Yeah, you know what? I agree with Rich. I, I, I agree that it's kind of science moving more to, toward an art, right? And, and I think that that's going to be a major function in the office of the CFO in the future is to understand the potential opportunities that, uh, you know, that are driven from, from this technology, right? And it's, it's not just in memory technology, but it's the Internet of Things. And, you know, you're, you're going to get information from a variety of different sources. And the office of the CFO will need to be kind of the Karnak, right, from the Johnny Carson days. I guess I'm showing mm-hmm. my age. But uh, they'll have to really <laughs> think through or look through that crystal ball and say, wow, I have different business opportunities that I need to shape and manage the business and the executive team and bring the leadership team through in the future. Thank you very much. Appreciate that, Marty, and welcome back. Lovely to have you on the show, on one of our shows again. We know we have 16 different series now, but I digress. Growing to 18, talk about ingenuity. Let's circle back to our first panelist. It's Alex Benalla, Cap Gemini in the UK. Alex, I'm going to ask you where you're calling from, what time of day is it, and what are you drinking right now, or what are you thinking about drinking after we're off the air? Alex? Okay. I'm, I sound British. But I'm actually yes. in Germany, and ironically, I'm in Waldorf uh, in Germany at the moment, uh, visiting our German colleagues at, at SAP. I've had workshops today, and I've got more workshops tomorrow. Um, and interestingly, today I had a, a session with, with one of the guys that implemented Simple Finance at SAP on the boardroom of the future. So hopefully I can share some, some insight on that later. Um, Bonnie, what's in your cup today? I've gone classic. Mm-hmm. I've gone mm-hmm. classic. So a colleague, a former colleague of mine once described me as being incredibly English. Now, I don't actually know what incredibly English means, but I was sort of more than happy to take it as a compliment, to be honest. And what I didn't think he meant was a tendency to to live in the past or have bad teeth. So I I took it as a compliment. Um, So in the spirit of being incredibly English, uh, I've gone classic and I'm conforming to, to a bit of a stereotype, I'm afraid. So... I'm going for a nice cup of tea, even and though what, I'm in Germany, yes. and there's probably little chance of that, to be honest. But what I've gone for is, is a classic tea, but with a bit of an update. So it's got a relatively modern twist. So it's a cup of Lady Grey. 
I'm not sure if you're aware of Lady Grey, Bonnie. I am. I am very much. So in spite of its, I guess, its name, it is very much the alpha male drink. Um, <laughs> it's an update on classic Earl Grey tea. So it's still, it's still flavored with bergamot, but also with citrus oil. And you can take it either black or with a dash of milk. I have mine with milk. Now, apparently, according to, to Wikipedia, it was introduced for the Nordic countries as they found classic Earl Grey a little bit too harsh for their taste. But now it's popular in Britain and the rest of the world, which shows two things, I think. You can innovate a classic. So that's a rather tenuous link to our subject matter today and, and something yes. that we're seeing right now in new wave finance technology. And I guess, secondly, us Brits, we can integrate with Europe, even if it's just over a cup of tea. So that's my choice, a cup of tea, a British classic, innovated. Beautiful. I, I, you put me into such a relaxed state, I can hardly talk. Hopefully not soporific. Oh, no, no, no. You've got so many uh, cultural elements in there. I appre- Alex, you go have a sip, and I'll talk to our other panelists while you relax over Lady Grey. Uh, okay, Thank Eric you. Bramley, where are you calling from, Eric, and what are you drinking? You don't have to beat that story. You don't even have to think about that story. I want to know a little bit about you. Eric Bramley at Deloitte, what are you drinking? Well, I'm, I'm calling from Houston, Texas, and um, I'm, I'm going to offend, I think, all of the coffee connoisseurs out there, um, because right now I'm, I'm drinking coffee, but with two cubes of ice in it. And these two cubes of ice, you know, it's not enough to make it cold. This is an iced coffee. But I like my coffee black, and, um, you know, I don't put cream uh, or milk in my coffee, so I don't really have anything to cool it down. But I don't have time to wait for coffee to get to the right temperature for me to be able to drink it. So I drop in two cubes of ice and then I can have my coffee. And, you know, if I were to try to equate this to today's topic, I would say that, you know, those two cubes of ice allow me to have my coffee in, in real time. I love that. And I have to tell you, Eric, we recently had a guest who, when I asked him, what were you drinking? He said he was not so much into what he was drinking, but the quality of the ice cubes. And apparently there's a a whole push now, almost a science and Rich Cerniak, maybe an art, if you will, of what kind of ice cubes you want to put in your drink. What kind of water went into them? What kind of freezing apparatus are they in? How pure are they? What do they taste like? Do they dilute your drink too fast, too slowly, or just right? So, so you brought up a really uh, interesting point, Eric, probably without realizing that the ingenuity might come from the type of ice cubes you put in your coffee. I think that's very ingenious, and I say bravo, and you go have a drink while I talk to Rich Cerniak, who I just mentioned. Rich, where are you calling from? Uh, are you in PWCville, or where are you, wherever that is, and what are you drinking right now? I'm in uh, at a client, actually, uh, that is uh, about to uh, uh, implement uh, s- uh, some simple finance technology from SAP, I think we were talking about mm-hmm. earlier. But I'm in uh, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, uh, in the U.S., and uh, what I have in my hand is uh, a good old-fashioned Starbucks uh, chai tea latte. So I'm not, uh, I'm not here to advertise, but it's part of my drink every day, and uh, like my uh, colleague from the UK, Alex, uh, I'm a tea drinker. Very nice. Does it calm you down, or just is chai latte? Uh, forgive my my naivete, my ignorance. Is there caffeine in that, or is it more of an oh, herbal? Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 
Okay, good. Glad to hear that. You sound so calm, Rich. I can't believe there's any caffeine in your bloodstream right now. You're just the voice of the voice of calm. All of you actually sound calm, so you're just slowing me down. Marty Marugal, I'm going to slow it down. Where are you calling from, and what are you drinking, Marty? <laughs> All right, Bonnie. So I am yes. calling from Newtown Square, Pennsylvania, which is about 35 miles west of Philadelphia. Right. And um, I am drinking... A daily electrolyte mix. So, um, for to blow off steam on the weekends, I tend to uh, race bicycles, and so I have to recover during the week. And I use this daily mix um, to help do that. And it was created by a sports scientist um, that used to um, kind of be dedicated to pro uh, cycling teams in the Tour de France, and he created this with natural ingredients. So that's what I drink and. It uh, tastes good, and it uh, hydrates you at the same time. Marty, does it have a brand name or a label we can talk about for a second? What is it? Sure. It's, yeah, it's, uh, he actually, so, the, so the, the person, the sports scientist, is a guy named Dr. Alan Lim, and he created, uh, a co- actually, he started a company called Scratch Labs, um, Scratch for making things out of scratch, right, right from uh-huh. scratch. And uh, he started with a couple of drinks, and then he created a recipe book, and, um, you know, he, uh, you know he's he's continues to add different products uh, to his repertoire. Uh, interesting. So is this electrolyte drink called Scratch Labs Electrolytes, or what is it called? It is. It's called Scratch Labs Daily Electrolyte Mix. Okay. I got that, and I see Scratch Labs here, and it's S-K-R-A-T-C-H-L-A-B-S.com. Anybody want to go take a look? Exercise Hydration Mix. I found it very, very quickly. Thank you so much, Marty. And Marty may know this, but the other panelists won't. Uh, They don't let Bonnie have any caffeine on radio show days, just water. But today, I have a green straw in my water because we're talking about finance, and the color of money is green, or so I'm told, if we still are going to have money in our culture. Who knows? Guess what? We have a very interesting panel. They're calling from so many different places, drinking so many drinks, and they're all really smart. Our topic today, we're together talking here on Financial Excellence with Game Changers Radio. The topic is finance and operations integration to your business health. Salute l'chaim a votre santé. I added that to the title. We're going to be right back, and Alex Benel at Capgemini is going to help me kick off the roundtable. We have a lot of territory to cover. Whoa, my goodness, it's almost one we got about 25 minutes to get a lot of topics in, so we're going to we're going to jump up the pace a little bit here and uh, I'm going to go off for just about 90 seconds here and talk to Alice and we're going to figure out where we're going to come back with an interesting topic. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. You know the drill. Michael out. comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Isn't it time for you to transform your finance organization? SAP is leading the way with groundbreaking technology to help finance professionals transform finance. 
SAP Simple Finance, powered by SAP, is a part of SAP 4HANA, the next generation business suite. SAP Simple Finance draws upon innovative in-memory, mobile, and cloud technologies to deliver one common secure view of all your information across finance. This gives you instant insight to drive enterprise-wide strategic value. Learn more at www.sap.com forward slash simple dash finance. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Comments? Questions? Send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the show at hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to financial excellence with Game Changers. Here we are. And those of you who are following the series, this is Season 4, Episode 8. And we are live on Monday, June 29, 2015. Where is the year going too fast? I tell you. I'm talking today with a very interesting panel. We've got Alex Bennell from Capgemini UK. We've got Eric Bramley from Deloitte Consulting. We've got Rich Cerniak from PwC and Marty Mrugel from SAP. Uh, very bright, guy, bright mix of bright minds talking about finance and operations integration to your business health. Alex Bennell has graciously agreed to kick off the roundtable with me. And Alex, I'm looking at your notes here, and I'll just read a little, and then you can run with it. We'll have your co-panelists chime in with their POV. So you say the drive to digital creates opportunities for finance. There is genuine value in this. And then you talk to me a little bit in your notes about there's Capgemini and MIT research showing that organizations that are digitally mature are experienced up to a 26% increase in profitability. Alex, the reason I picked this to start our roundtable is because I mentioned this in my intro, and I think it bears discussion. So Alex Bennell, why don't you start us? Yeah, thank you for mentioning that, that Bonnie. I think, mm-hmm. I think uh, the research that we did with, with MIT was, was very illuminating. You know, we, we, we saw the outcome that, that, that was potentially that 26% increase in profit, for profitability for those organizations that, that really identified that there was value there and really pushed to being kind of what we called digital masters. So I think what we saw was that transformation in the front end digitally really has to be underpinned by back-end operations in order to sort of, I guess, keep pace with changing expectations and the new reality. The expectations in the perimeter of the CFO, I think, as you said in your introduction, and the finance function in general mm-hmm. have increased. You know, the, the CFO sees themselves as more than just the scorekeeper now. They see themselves as the provider of maybe expert functions, strategy and development, you know, and operating not only as a strategist, but also as a catalyst for the function and the organization as a whole. But I think what it gives rise to is there's opportunities and there's challenges for the finance function. So as well as improving traditional business processes and driving sort of data integrity and a robust model, they really kind of have to spot what I call the genuinely transformational opportunities. It's all very well to deliver some automation, you know, right first-time processing and greater efficiency, and you have to underpin that with an integral data model, robust processes, clear definitions and principles. But really, to move yourself forward, you've got to identify, I think, 
the genuinely transformational opportunities. And what we're seeing and what we're finding with our customers is really trying to develop those messages. You know, it may be around breaking the hegemony of, of period end. It, it may be that the period end becomes just a technical step. Greater capability around intermonth predictive capability. And what does that do to sort of traditional processes? You know, how does that impact your, your business process outsourcing contracts? How does it change the scope of financial shared services? What does it do to the grade mix within the organization? These are all the things that we're spotting as those kind of genuinely transformational opportunities and moving finance and the CFO from a strategist to being a catalyst, sort of operating within that kind of digital pinnacle as we see it. So I think, I think that drive to digital is a really interesting area and, and takes it away from just solely being about the front end and making sure that your finance function is geared up to adapt to that change and harmonize with it. Thank you, Alex. I want to bring Eric Bramley into the conversation. A lot of good information from Alex. Eric, what do you think? Uh, I, I agree with Alex. You know, I think the the CFO uh, traditionally has been looked at more as a as a steward and operator of a company. Although nowadays, more and more CFOs are looked at to be both a strategist and a catalyst, and and they really need to be. Um, IT should not be alone in, in setting the strategy for a company, and um, you know the CFOs need to be more and more involved in uh, in setting IT decisions based off of strategy, and digital is a, b- a big part of that. So digital can can range from uh, using using data to drive revenue growth. So uh, taking uh, available data both inside of companies and outside of companies pulling it to where it can be insightful during the sales process for the sales force to either drive incremental sales or perhaps even drive new sales channels. Um, and in that respect, uh, the CFO can, be, um, can, can largely influence uh, the CMO or the chief marketing officer. Um, digital can also mean reducing expenses. So, um, you know, the the drive towards cloud computing in many cases can uh, can be a, a big strategy that uh, the CFOs can embrace to reduce large capital outlays um, and get into more regular routine operating expenses, um, scaling companies to just the size that they need. Thank and, you. Uh, you know, oh, lastly, ahead. I would say digital can mm-hmm. also be used for uh, analytics and modeling. So a lot of what we've traditionally seen as offline models that, that the finance department will run to, to help influence operations can now be done real-time uh, based off of large volumes of, of real data and more accurate than ever. Thank you very much, Eric. Sorry I interrupted you. I, uh, I want to make sure we get Rich in on this as well. Rich Cerniak, a lot of interesting points from Alex and Eric. Your turn to chime in on this part of our, the topic, the digital drive. What do you think? Well, I, I think you look at, I think my colleagues are correct, and just to add to that is you think about what digital is, is doing in terms of disrupting existing business models. Um, I mean, a few years ago, when you went to get a taxi anywhere in the world, you, you, you went outside, you maybe made a phone call, you waved your hand, and you look at what Uber has done mm-hmm. to a pretty established industry, right, and, and, and how in certain parts of the world it, it, it's, it's become a norm. And, and, and disrupted an entire industry that's been, been working a certain way for, for decades. And I think each, each CFO, and not only the CFO, but operations, they need to look at, at their business model 
and not only look at what opportunities exist to, to enhance their, their profitability and maybe get to different channels, but also protect their current uh, position in the market because there are, there are individuals out there that are pretty intelligent, that are, uh, that are a lot younger than many of us, that, that look at things differently. And, and that generation is going to be the next generation of buyers and, 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 uh, and market makers. And I think we really need to you know, not only look at how can you create new opportunities and new growth, but how do you protect, protect your current business model? Thank you. Marty Rugel. I know you're sitting there thinking, when is my turn? Well, this is it. What do you have to say about the digital drive? Marty, who's so patient. Go ahead, Marty. You know, I, I would agree, um, uh, you know, with the other panelists, um, you know, and especially um, the example, the Uber example, right, of disrupting business models. I think that that is, you know, when the, when, with the customers that I talk to, um, that's one of their biggest concerns, Right, that's certainly a concern in the C-suite around, you know, is my business model going to be sustainable? What is the impact of not just one technology, but the convergence of multiple technologies on my business in the future? And, you know, maybe an example. Last week, uh, we had a we had a manufacturing forum in Chicago, and one of the customers who spoke was Tenant, and they make floor cleaning um, uh, machines. And, and, you know, Tenant was talking about how they started on this journey of connecting their devices, um, you know, about five or six years ago. And that now they're at the point where they can start to think about how do we harness this information, what kind of services do we add, because we now have this information, and maybe, you know, we offer cleaning as a service and not just, you know, cleaning machines themselves. So, you know, there were two, two things to me, two takeaways from, from Tenant. One was, wow, they started their journey to digitization a lot earlier, you know, Internet of Things, and then making sure that they have a digital enterprise to accept that information. Um, But also, you know, how is this going to, you know, what other business opportunities will this provide in the future? And by starting early, early, this means that I, I, you know, we get more experience. We We can try, you know, different things. Some things will work, some things won't work. But the sooner you get down that path, um, the more likely you're going to be a chain, you know, kind of one of the change agents in the industry and not the other way around. Thank you, Marty. Appreciate that. And I appreciate all the case studies and name dropping the panelists did to bring this to real life. I'm going to circle back to Alex Benella, Cap Gemini. Any comments, Alex? I'm going to give you a minute to, to cap or recap or comment on what your co-panelists said because I want to move to something in Eric Bramley's notes. So, Alex, you want to finish this topic up for us, please? Yeah, they were all fantastic builds, Bonnie, on, on the original subject matter. And I think I just wanted to build on, on, on one thing that, that Marty said, which was around the sort of front-end opportunities and, and, you know, and spotting those ideas for, for growing your business. And I think that's absolutely true. But you know, one of the things that I think is where finance has lagged behind previously is that your sort of front-end digital strategy might be quite mature. You might be quite you know, at the leading edge of that. And I'm working with one company that is very much recognized for that in the, in the marketplace. But their, their finance function has typically kind of lagged behind. You know, they're, they're always on the back end or the receiving end of the front-end transformation agenda. And they're always having to play catch-up. There's always workarounds. There's always issues with reconciliations. And I think mm-hmm. what we're trying to do and what I'm trying to do is really position the back-office transformation as a key part of digital transformation as a whole. Thank you, Alex. 
Good wrap-up for that. Eric Bramley, I'm looking at two parts of your notes here. I think we can tie them together. Just indulge me for a second, please. You note many companies, especially those that have grown through acquisition, have accumulated multiple ERP and operation systems, but they lack the ability to report enterprise-wide financial data in a timely manner. Then you say, a little farther down, social media smart devices, and other external sources of data can enrich planning, decision-making, and business operations performed within an ERP system. So I'm going to ask you, Eric, to, to link these two thoughts together, and if you've accumulated acquisition upon acquisition and you've got all these multiple disparate systems, how quickly can social media, smart devices, and external set data sources help your ERP, or are you just stuck in the mud until you get it all put together? What's your observation? Uh, well, actually, some of this uh, some of this relates to what Alex just wrapped up on the previous uh, topic, and that's on uh, having to have the foundation on the back end in order to really take full advantage um, within the finance function. So, uh, to to expand on that, this concept of of central finance exists because there's a lot of companies out there that that do have numerous ERP systems and their and their and their back ends. They've either grown through acquisition or they've just accumulated a ton of technical debt. And so they face challenges with different data, different processes. Um, and really, you know, some of these companies in the most extreme only have enterprise-wide reporting at a very summary level and at that only at the very end of period and close. And, and that's not how a finance function can uh, transform itself into a strategist or a catalyst. You've got to have better data more frequently, uh, more real-time um, across an entire enterprise to, to drive strategy and, and drive growth. So um, one of the things that I've, that I've helped uh, a number of companies with, um, you know, one example, a company in the, in the Fortune 20 take uh, over 25 different ERP systems and link them together into one central finance platform that pulls together all the finance data um, and at that time, it was a, a daily process, so they had daily visibility. But with technology now, that can be a real-time process for real-time financial visibility. And the benefits achieved out of that were a common view to the customer, uh, enterprise-wide, uh, ability to manage uh, working capital enterprise-wide um, on a daily or real-time basis, one view to the vendor, and, and better information for a CFO to act upon. Now, weaving in external devices into that and from mm -hmm. uh, different systems, and you can really get into the place where finance can not only have that foundation on the back end that Alex was referring to, but actually start driving uh, strategic, insight-driven business processes. So taking relevant financial information, such as the profitability of certain materials, uh, and putting that uh, front and center during the sales process to actually uh, drive uh, sales of more profitable materials when, when your sales force is working with the customer. Thank you, Eric. Rich Cerniak, talk to us. Thoughts? Well, I think Eric brought up a number of good points there, and, and I, I think the one to, to, to add to that is, you know, once you get your, if you're, if you're coming from a, a, a heterogeneous ERP environment, and, and once you've, you know, consolidated or harmonized the data uh, structures inside the centr a central finance function, uh, as he described, I, I, I think now you get the opportunity to do some 
some value add things for the for the business and and one of those that we're seeing right now is integrated business planning where you're truly going across um, different functions across the business and getting inputs from sales operations warehouse etc in in the in the business planning process where it's not just finance taking some spreadsheets and trying to compile them and make sense out of it and make a plan, but you're truly getting inputs uh, real-time from the business and, and, A, developing the plan, and then, B, monitoring it and reacting to it in a a real-time environment. And Because, obviously, when you build a plan, you build it based upon a a certain set of assumptions, but those assumptions, um, just like a baseball hitter, don't, don't always come out at 100%. Uh, or a thousand percent, right? So, how do you increase the odds of of building the plan, making the plan, and working the plan in a, in a real time environment? And then you start pulling in uh, uh, inputs that are are just not from the ERP systems, but perhaps uh, social media, etc. And now you're really starting to to, to see a, a planning model that's dynamic and and something you can manage to on the fly. Thank you, Marty Mrugel. Talk to me. Yeah, no, I, I, I absolutely agree. Um, you know, in, I, like the, I like the building the plan and working the plan, and I think that, you know, new technology, modern technology allows you to take structured and unstructured data, right? The unstructured uh, a likely culprit typically is coming from social and other, other areas, but not, not only, um, and combine that with enterprise data, right? And so your ability to take that and, you know, kind of run analysis on it, understand what the data is telling you, and more importantly, you know, what are the implications to the business and what are the decisions you have to make moving forward. Um, in terms of working the plan, you know, one of the great things that, that I think CFOs will have you know, now and, and more so in the, in the near future is the ability to take, to take data and make everyone in the, in the enterprise um, you know, really much have, have better decision support um, with, with financial information. Let me give you an example. So let's mm-hmm. say that you are in transportation and you just receive, um, you know, something from sales department that they, they want you to divert a shipment. Okay, you look in, you, you, you can cover the shipment from inventory, but what is, the, what is the cost, right? What is the cost of inventory that I have? Um, what is the cost of that diversion? And if you can think about all of the different areas within an organization where if you had financial information and, and have that worker, you know, have the visibility and transparency to not only do I make this decision, but here are the, here are the, the cost or revenue implications of that decision. And that is really coming to, to fruition very, very rapidly. And so now you're, you're not just creating kind of, um, you know, a, a function within finance that can do this. You're creating a, an entire organization and enterprise that makes better decisions because they have the transparency and visibility to all the data and the implications of that data. Thank you, Marty. Alex Bennell, got to get you in on this before we move to a couple of more topics, and then we got to go to predictions quite pretty soon. So, Alex, thoughts on what your co-panelists have been sharing around the table? Yeah, thanks, Bonnie. I think there's been some, some fantastic input on, on this question. I think if we could just return to financial planning for a second. I think Mm -hmm. certainly in my experience over the last year or so, this this area has been surprisingly for me, uh, you know, an area where this message 
has really landed with the finance functions. I've worked with two customers over the last year, um, one in the public sector and one in the retail sector. And the benefits case that we've put together in both areas has been incredibly compelling. Um, first, for the public sector to customer, we, you know, we looked at their forecasting and budgeting processes, which are you know, a complex, manual, and, and time-consuming. And by integrating sort of HR data and FTE data and converting that into a financial plan, the benefits case in that is huge, reducing cycle time errors, manual effort, and you know the FTE time per cycle. A huge use case, and I think you know that that's been mirrored in in work that I've been doing with a with a large retailer. And it, you know if we can automate the opex planning element of it, and perhaps tie in with sort of merchandiser planning to deliver the the revenue element of the PNL, you're looking at huge savings. In, in FTEs and in the, the, the cost of the finance function as a whole. So th- that, that area is, is, is really one that I think, well, certainly from my perspective, has been relatively untapped until recently, which has been a surprise. And I think just building on the comments that the guys raised around sort of disparate ERPs and, and, and stitching them together with the sort of central finance scenario, I think this is an area that's very interesting. There's a, there's a customer of ours in the UK, uh, a consumer products company, and they've sort of whittled their ERP estate down to, you know, to under 10, but they can't go any further. And, and they've spent an enormous amount of money doing that, but they can't, they can't harmonize any more than they have already. So I think you know, that central finance use case for them is an incredible opportunity to, to deliver the, the, some of the transformational opportunities that we've been talking around, around real-time reporting and embedded KPIs. But I think we just have to apply a note of caution to that that the drive to get there requires some sort of quite old-school transformational um, imperatives. You know, you need to have good discipline within the organization. You need to have a good grip on, on master data and master data governance and business ownership of that. So I think, you know, the, t- the key takeaway is that the, the technology offers tremendous opportunity, but it has to be underpinned by kind of more traditional transformational um, objectives as well. Thank you. This is Marty. I, I would add yes, one, ahead, one, one comment mm-hmm. there, which is, yep. um, you know, customer, when, when you hear about these financial transformations, you know, people who've gone through kind of systems um, changes in the past and integrations in the past think about long, complex rollouts. What these guys are talking about in terms of like a central journal or a universal journal that kind of sits on top of these heterogeneous systems can be done very, very quickly. Yeah, yeah. Um, one example is we had a, we had a company, a uh, customer called Florida Crystals, who spoke at our users conference about mm. two months ago, and they did it in under two months. Right? So it's, this mm. is not something where you have to roll it out over you know, a period of many years. But this technology you know, is, is really becoming more revolutionary where you can implement it fairly quickly over existing systems and get benefits you know, very, very quickly. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more, Marty. And, you know, I, I think we have to view transformation as not a, you know, a two-year cycle where you get some benefit right at the end. It's, it's iterative. You know, I've spoken about this a lot in that, you know, you can start with a simplification. You can start small scale. You can start where there is sort of minimal impact to the user, which then establishes your platform for transformation. And then you can be more agile about how you deliver it. You can release benefit more quickly. So I, I, I absolutely agree with you. 
Thank you both. We're just about at the point where I need to move into the predictions round. But Rich Cerniak, I didn't get to your talking points, but you had some really great comments on the others. I just want you to give me uh, 30 seconds on the point of enabling trust in the data in terms of harmonizing data across multiple ERP platforms and how today's technology allows for a single version of truth, which is so important. So just give me two sentences on that, and then we're going to go to predictions. Rich? Sure. Rather quickly here, I mean, the, the challenge that's often uh, presented to within the finance department is, uh, how, how do I get to a single version of the truth, right? Or I've got these mm-hmm. di- different systems and, and people look at, all, at each system and make their own interpretation from different data structures. So the opportunity with technology today, as was mentioned earlier, is to, to centralize that information in one table structure uh, and, and really call that the, the, the one book of truth. And that's where uh, some of the technologies that are out there today will enable that and, and enable that in a pretty quick time frame. Thank you very much. Brief and to the point. It's time for predictions. We are so close to the end of the show. I have exactly four minutes left. So I'm going to give you each 30 seconds for predictions. Tell me what year, month, day, or week, or second you're looking at in the future. What will change? Alex Benel, Capgemini, predictions, 30 seconds. Go. Okay, 2020. It sounds futuristic, um, but it's only just around the corner. I think returning back to our opening point, um, I think it will be mixed. You know, I, I think some organizations will get it. And those that do will have kind of clear differentiators. They will have a technology-enabled vision strategy. And they'll understand that a change in thinking is required to deliver the genuinely transformational opportunities and and benefits. The mixed picture will perhaps be there'll be a a set of organizations that lag behind, you know, that are perhaps more traditionally conservative and perhaps pedestrian. Um, And we have to recognize that for some organizations right now, Perhaps there isn't a business case to do it right now. You know, it it all comes back to that business case. I think if it stacks up, it will happen. Thank you very much. Let's turn to Eric Bramley. Deloitte, 30 seconds predictions. Go. Uh, Sure. So I'll also pick uh, 2020, five years out. Um, You know, I think what we're going to see is uh, instead of fewer technology systems, I think we're going to see a lot more. I think we're going to see proliferation of data, proliferation of data sources um, from all, all different angles, both inside of the companies and outside of the companies, and, and more and more systems. So there's, there's going to be more um, agile-based uh, systems that are, that are best in breed. And weaving all of that data together and weaving all of the financial relevant information together in a way that it can be put to use, put to action, is going to be more and more critical. So I think this concept of, of central finance and of pulling the data together for finance is going to be uh, crucial over the next five years. Thank you. Rich Cerniak, 30 seconds, PwC. Go fast. All right. Just to piggyback off of uh, my colleagues there, is my, I'm going to go to 2025. And, and what I see is a, a finance function that really is, is going to be looking at real-time information uh, think of a dashboard, right, where, where, where real-time information is coming in, a lot of which will come, be coming from unstructured data as opposed to maybe maybe 70% today is structured. It may flip-flop where unstructured data represents 70% and the, and the structured in the ERP is 30%. But I, I, I envision that the finance function interpreting that data in real time on a, in a dashboard environment and then helping the business, helping their counterparts make better decisions to run the business. Thank you very much. Marty Marugal, we can't wait to hear what you say. How far in the future? Do you like 2020 or what do you like the best? I'll take 2020, Bonnie. 
And, you know, Alan Kay, who's uh, kind of a Silicon Valley guru, said the best way to predict the future is to invent it, right? Mm -hmm. So by 2020, I believe companies will be competing much, much more on data than price and product today than they are like they are today. And, you know, the office of the CFO is going to go from counting the money to truly making the money. They'll spend more time as the strategist. Interesting. And what about the catalyst? Are we still in the strategist stage for the next five years or ten years, or are we are we already catalytic? Catalytic. We're we're we're, we're, we're some are catalytic, and it will become almost imperative to be catalytic in the future. Thank you very much. I have a bonus question: yes or no answer from everybody. Will what we've been talking about today entice more millennials and the younger generations to come into finance and say, wow, this is an exciting career. Knock, knock on the door. Let me have a job. Alex Benella, Cap Gemini, yes or no? I think it will. Yes, I think it will. Oh. I think the, the okay. opportunity is, am I just, is it just yes? Yes, yes or no. That's it. That's it. Just Eric yes. Bramley, yes just or yes. no. Deloitte. Sorry. <laughs> That's okay, dear. Eric? Absolutely. This is the opportunity to pull in things like social media and make it finance relevant. I, I think, Thank yeah. you. Love it. Rich Cerniak, PwC, yes or no? No question about it, yes. Okay, got me fooled there for a second. No question, yes. I like that. Push me in two directions. Marty Marugla, yes or no? Yes. Okay, I love it. It's, it's a, it's a fait accompli. Anybody wants to know more about my guests, go to our show page on Voice America, the business channel, and right underneath the title, you will see a link to the guest directory, and you can read more about these very smart people. Alex Benell at Capgemini, Eric Bramley at Deloitte, Rich Cerniak, PwC, Marty Mrugel at SAP. Wonderful speaking with all four of you. Great insights. Thank you so much for sharing your points of view. I thought it was a great conversation. And a shout-out to Chris Grundy at SAP, who sponsors the series, and his colleague, Birgit Starr who helped put together this wonderful panel. And, of course, to Michael and the Business Channel team at World Talk Radio. Thank you. I'll be back tomorrow with two new shows. Let's see, 10 o'clock Eastern, we're doing you on Transforming Your Business with Game Changers. That you is for me. And uh, noon tomorrow, Business Innovation with Game Changers. It's a busy week. Here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. And I mean it. Bonnie D. Graham signing off for another live edition of Financial Excellence with Game Changers. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP, helping you run simple. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to hashtag SAPRADIO. And join host Bonnie D. Graham next Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time, here on the Business Channel, wishing you a game-changing week. We'll be right back.